fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 739 of Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How are things doing for you, sir? They are, yes, thank you. They are doing. <laughs> 739, we're still going. Yeah, I know, right? Can't stop, can't stop, won't stop. Don't know if it's sheer stubborn, <laughs> stubbornness at this point, or if it's, <laughs> you know. I guess they're going to give you up, <laughs> they're going to let you down. Well, it's, it's sort of, we just you know, rolled everybody. Just running a running gag at this point. Yeah. So... As opposed to our lives, which is just running gags. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to tell where one one made up reality starts, another made up reality finishes. Really, <laughs> especially these days, right? Uh, Are we in the matrix? If I'm not making it up, somebody else is. Am I really sitting beside you in this room, <laughs> or where are we? What is this place? I'm in a nutshell. How did I get into this bloody great big nutshell? <laughs> this is me in a nutshell. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I didn't recognize that background. Austin Powers reference. That's um, I can't remember what it is now. Some buildings. It's like it's Sydney or something. Supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. I could look, but that would involve effort. Huh. Get for a joke, man. I don't, don't really have that much energy to give. It's enough effort to uh, do the go. show. No, downtown downtown Los Angeles. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and it's set to uh. Yeah, it's, set, it's over the daylight periods from like six in the morning till six of the night or something. Oh. I do have it slowed down because it's only a forty-five minute clip, so it does sort of restart at some point. But uh, especially if we go over time, like we always seem to do, even though there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, pretty much. See, <laughs> see, city view day. There you go. Told you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, been a the weather this week. Holy crap! It doesn't know what it's doing. Got some crazy stuff. Oh, we've had on was it Monday? We had like rain most, of, like some couple of really heavy downpours, and then rain most of the day. And then Tuesday we had like forty kilometer hour winds with like ninety kilometer hour gusts. Jeez. <laughs> and then <laughs> yesterday it was freezing and then by the time I got to work I was sweating and then it's like Are you in Melbourne? Oh, I might as well be. Four seasons in one day. And yeah, it was all over the show. It went from I think four degrees to thirty two or something yesterday. Yep. And then today it's perfect weather, 
gentle breeze, perfectly clear sky, like 20, you know, 27 degrees. Like, <laughs> it's just like, why? What's going on? I think we got like eight overnight most nights and 13 to 16 during the day, and that's about it. Well, this time last night was absolutely freezing. Yeah. Like I think by this by this time last night it got down to six or seven degrees and it ended up being two or three in the morning. Uh, but the night before, at this time of night, it was still twenty four or something. <laughs> like, I don't I don't understand. Get it together, man. Just pick 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 two seasons. I don't care. Stop picking all four. Just as long pick... as there's as long as there's a lot of sun mm-hmm. so you can get that good solar. Yeah, well, you know. And you're getting the credit. That's all right. Yeah, getting getting the credit with um, Amber because they charge wholesale pricing, and the wholesale pricing went above their safety net, which is what once it goes above what other retailers are charging, they they revoke it. So, got, what was it last month? We got like a hundred and fifty dollar credit or something. Yep. And this month it's fifty dollars so far, but they might revise it again. They they seem to revise it a couple of times. So. Because you get all the yeah. ours is just like this nearly all the time. Yeah, oh, in Queensland, it's it's nuts. It's all over the show at the moment. But you might get a, you know, you might get a two hundred dollar bill, but then you end up getting a hundred dollar credit on that two hundred dollar bill. Can't complain. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's not too bad. Anything but, else um, exciting you've been up to? Fans still doing well. Yeah, that's good. I finally, I mean, a couple of little teething problems with it and bits and pieces, but. It's uh, it's a good fun. I still love driving. I think it's <clears throat> becoming more comfortable in the range of it now. Yep. You now I was like charging it up every time I got home, and then every time I was at work, and then if I went somewhere, I was charging it. But now I sort of know, you get a feel for what you can sort of, you know, yep. get away with. So I charge it up during the day at work, and then do a run home, and go to the shops, and do stuff, and drop bub off at at school, and run into run into work, and. You know, you know what you can sort of do on it. So, it's uh, it's good fun. No, I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> so, got all the technologies in that. I've got a 10.5 inch um, Android head deck, which yeah. controls all the media and all that side of it. GPS and my charge fox locations and all that sort of stuff. It's all controlling that. Then another tablet sitting there running my, um, what's called Leaf Spy, which is all the through the OBD2 port, it's using the the CAN bus talking to the computer, so it brings up all the information, all the battery cell information, all the charging information, the running information, oh, the temperatures, wow. the like literally all, everything on the vehicle you can monitor. It's yep. it's brilliant. So I've got got in the center console, I had the original head deck that took that out, put a ten inch ten inch head deck there, got a old seven inch Samsung tablet above that. So the whole center console, <laughs> it looks like a Tesla going on in there. Then <laughs> the phone's mounted horizontal below that. So you just got this wall of Android. <laughs> Are you qualified for all that technical equipment, sir? Nah, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to learn how to use um, that uh, Tasker. Yep. Because I've had to set it up so that the tablet, because it's obviously not designed to be used in that situation. So I've had to set Tasker up so... I've got it charging off the USB output of the head deck and it knows when it's, when there's power to automatically turn the screen on and run the Leaf Spy app and then when the power goes off, it turns the screen off and 
you know, does all sort of stuff. So I'm figuring out how to get Tasker to to uh, control it properly. But yeah, no, it's it's good. For that it. was one thing I liked about my um, Samsung <coughs> phone. The Bixby routines is basically Tasker. I wonder if they um, license Tasker and just put it in there and call it Bixby routines or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, it seems to work really well. I'm surprised at what it can do. Yep. You know, keep screen on while on charge and whatever you see, this Bluetooth device do this and when you see this part do this. And well, I've got it mine set up. So if I go to mum's nursing home, the local medical centre or the radio station I used to work at, that it automatically silences it once you're in that area. Oh, okay. And then when you come back out again, it, so, so I'm just driving around town, not actually going into any of these areas, but yeah. I go past Passive. it and then a couple of minutes later, you hear the phone go boom as it turns the volume back up again to let <laughs> you know it's like reactivated. Fair enough. So you can you, tell when I'm driving around what places I've got on mute because it just suddenly goes bing for no reason. You need to set it so that when it detects the Wi-Fi, that Wi-Fi, it does it. Yeah, yeah. Don't need to connect to it. You just when it sees no, that, that name, there. when it sees that Wi-Fi name. Yeah, yeah. That's how I've got mine at work, so that it knows um, to do a certain sequence. It doesn't actually connect to the Wi-Fi at work. Well, it doesn't actually use my Wi-Fi. It uses one of the other buildings because it's it comes into range before mine. Yeah. But when it sees that built that Wi-Fi name, it starts activating the. I'm going to work, so do this and this and this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I like this techy stuff. Yeah, no, it's um. Or I've, the other thing I've got set up so when I go to a charging point, um, I've got it set up so that it loads up. Um, when it when it detects the Chatmo plug being plugged in, automatically loads up YouTube. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're gonna be here for twenty minutes. Watch your video. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed um, Google have finally released their Nest doorbell. Yeah. in Australia, which has been out in America forever. And I wanted to get one, but you could not get it. It wasn't supported in Australia. If you had an Australian Google account, it wouldn't connect to it and do stuff. So I ended up going the Amazon Ring doorbell, mm. and now Google's brought theirs out. But I'm like, too late. I'm in the Amazon now. I'm not going to sell out another $300 for another doorbell because this one does everything that I need. So... I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm um, going to get the Xiaomi does one. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> they do everything, these guys. <laughs> <laughs> they got a they got a home security infrastructure. Uh, what do I call it? Home, home infrastructure protection um, system or something. Yep. And it's like literally everything. It's, it's smoke alarms, it's doorbells, it's wind, glass break sensors. It's, it's like the whole lot. So... Windows, you can tell when they're being opened and closed. Yeah, and movement sensors and trigger sensors and all sorts of stuff. You'll know so. when Bub gets up out of bed. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. I already do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my uncle that. was staying at a place in Sydney for a few months and uh, he took his mum down there for a trip just to hang out. And uh, he's like, now, now, mum, she's very old at the time, mum, now remember... We have alarms turned on, so don't leave your bedroom at night. And <clears throat> what happens? He wakes up, all hell breaks loose. Whoop, 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 and he runs out, turns off the alarm. He goes, Mom, what are you doing? He's like, the dog needed to go wheeze. He's like, but I told you. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that. Like, 
I don't get the whole. I suppose I kind of do. I don't know. I'm not one for setting an alarm when I'm inside. No. I used to at work. I used to set the the when I was in Melbourne uh, in Geelong. I used to set the perimeter alarm. Yep. But none of the internal stuff. It was just six. That, if I was at work by myself of a night, I'd set the perimeter alarm so at least I know if somebody broke into the, yep, the, yep. the storefront or something. Maybe you had it on the front door and it wasn't internal, then that would make more sense, right? Yeah, it would just be on the... So you open the front door yeah, and something. on the <laughs> door the triggers. Yeah. But if you ever watched um, uh, Home Improvement, yep. <laughs> he had like 400 zones and like... <laughs> <laughs> Overnight, like the entire place was active. <laughs> it's funny. I was watching a video with him the other day. He's got a um, he's got a storage, well, sort of semi-storage shed where he keeps a lot of his cars and a lot of his projects and stuff. And um, <clears throat> he was saying, and they they zoomed up, and there's the big home improvement sign that used to hang on the oh right the, at the studio, the studio, <laughs> and they're like. Yeah, he said, they asked me when we wrapped if there's anything I wanted, and just for shits and giggles, I said, oh, give me that sign. They went, yeah, hey, okay, where do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't really, but... <laughs> I guess I'll take it now. I guess, yeah, so that ended up in his, uh, in his warehouse. And does Mr. Wilson <clears throat> actually live over his fence? <laughs> uh, it's funny, though, in the... Um, no, he died not long after the show wrapped. Oh, yeah, he died of cancer, I believe. But no, he's got a fake fence up there with the with that setup. So it's funny. <laughs> he's got the couple of cars. That, that shows um the cars they built on the show. They were he's legitimately building during the oh, show, okay. like during that season or two seasons. They were actually building those cars. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, he's got them there in his place and stuff. So yeah, that's nuts. But yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? I don't know. But yeah, it's been... I think they've said um, Chris Barry and Rowan Atkinson have got a ton of cars between them. Rowan's a, You wouldn't believe it, but how much... Actually, yeah, neither of those men, looking at their characters, you believe know anything at all about vehicles, but they're really, really motorheads. They really are. I used yeah. to love Chris Barry's. I think it was called Mechanical things or something and they used to, he used to do everything from airplanes to, his knowledge is astounding like he's a really smart man and um Ron Atkinson's the same and he's got this knack for picking up these really obscure cars like there was a um the car they used in um I want to say Mr. Nice Guy but that was Jackie Chan I can't think of Ron Atkinson's one of his one of, no one of his spy where he was a spy Oh, Johnny English. Yeah, Johnny English. There's a, I think it was a BMW in that, and the original car came out with a V10, and to fit some of the props and stuff, they had to put like a V8 in it because they couldn't fit everything in there with the bigger motor. Yep. And um, after the show wrapped up, they had this V10 sitting there, and like, what do you want to do with that? He's like, oh, I'll take that home. I'll, I've got a car at home. I can put that in. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you would too. So it's it's funny how that happens though. You get a lot of people like um uh Oh, wow, what's his name? The Australian I was gonna say, um he played Poiter. Um and Hulk with his 
the two things I can think of at the top of my head. Oh, um, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, him. Eric Banana. Yeah, yeah, Eric Banana. That's him. Banana Man. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Banner. He, um, <clears throat> I never realised how much he was in the car. I knew he, you know, I knew he used to race them, but a lot of people who race cars don't know anything about cars. Yeah. You know, they just race them because they're good at racing. But you watch his documentary, um, I think it's called The Beast or something like that. It's about his Falcon. And you just realise how much he actually, he's into cars as well. Like, it's quite a, quite surprising. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, anyway, enough about you that. should probably think these people up here that things go across. Is that, oh, it's working. Is it working? Oh, it is yeah. working. There you go. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, I, I can never tell sometimes. Sometimes it works on my end, but it doesn't work on the stream. And Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, we got uh, patrons, uh, patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads, um, coffee.com, co-fi.com slash Aussie Techheads. Um, right. Yay. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, yeah, I didn't look at it and confuse myself. That's why. <laughs> um, or you can pay us through PayPal or, or a few other bits and pieces. Uh, it really does help, guys. It really little bit helps, makes a difference, helps us to um, keep the show running and, um, and pay, pay for our hosting and pay for our data usage and pay for the Zoom. Even stuff like Zoom costs money. Um, yeah. You know, and you get 45 minutes free, but we can't limit a show to that long, no matter how hard we try. No. There's so many weeks where, like, I think it's going to be a half-hour show tonight because I've got nothing to talk about. Yeah. What An I, hour 15 later, oh, we should probably wrap up. See, we share with uh, Aussie Mac Zone as well. They use the Zoom. Um, they do their show usually Tuesday nights uh, yeah. or Tuesday. Quite often they'll stream live as well, so check them out as well. But same thing, like, you know, um, we all share. We're all part of the same banner, so we all share uh, resources and whatnot when we can. So it, it helps us out, makes a big difference. Um, We're hopefully, all under the Blue Ocean. Yeah, under Blue Ocean now, which is um, Aussie Tech Heads web hosting. Under has changed to uh, Blue Ocean now just to make it sound more, I don't know, fancy, I guess. Fuzzy. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. So, uh, so there's that. So if you did have a ATH uh, hosting account, um, keep an eye out for an email that will be porting you across to the Blue Ocean host. Uh, it's the same host, same pricing plan, same, same everything. Um, the only difference is that once you get that email, just make sure you read it properly. Unlike me, I thought it was just a notification of transfer, but you actually have to go and log back on and then you have to go and reset your password and put your password back in and then check your information again. And you also have to put your credit card information if you do a direct deposit. So make sure you check and do that stuff. Otherwise it won't work. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me how I know. And then your webmaster can't update the website. <laughs> Whoever um, that forecast. Yeah, so, so just keep an eye for that as well. That's happening over the next few weeks, I believe. Most, as far as I know, most of it's done, but there's still some stuff happening. Um, and not everybody's. At, I think eventually everybody will get migrated over. It's sort of a on on as needed basis at the moment, but um, something to be aware of. So you can be part of the Blue Ocean Group. I think they yeah. paint themselves blue and play. Upside down trash cans or something. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one of them is Glenn. That makes sense now. Yeah, the, yeah, the, it all yeah, makes sense. It makes perfect sense now, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that the old Intel logo? Yeah. That they used to do the music for, the Intel thing? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that, that explains that then. He's still running that same processor. And that guy on uh, David Cross, when he was on um, 
Arrested Development paid himself blue because he thought he was going to join the Blue Man Group. <laughs> he didn't end up doing it, but he had to spend the rest of the week in blue because he couldn't watch, watch it off, couldn't scrub off. Uh, He's a good actor too. I like David Cross. He's not bad. He was in um, Men in Black with the spray cans for the cockroaches and yep. the guy comes in. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, didn't um, uh, was a Family Guy did Blue Man Group? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was him. That mind you, that's not surprising. Then, if if <laughs> it's either going to be Simpsons, South Park, or Family Guy, between they one of them, covered everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Men in Black, I've been watching a new um, TV series. Well, not new; it's been out for a long time, but it's new to me called Continuum. Yep. About this girl who travels back in time to fight these criminals and stuff. And today, the episodes were like. Back to the Future and Men in Black type things happening. <laughs> oh. Like, well, I wonder where they got their inspiration <laughs> from. But it's it's a good series. I just started season three. It's only got four, but my binge watching is going to get through it pretty fast. <laughs> it really does. Eh? It's surprising how quickly you can go through. So we watched um, um, the whole Harry Potter franchise in in a weekend, and you're like, yeah. you you know, it's a lot of movie, but but when you sit down and watch it. <laughs> The one good thing, Plex doesn't say, are you still there? No. You have to click on yes. It's just like, <clears> we know that you don't have a life. You're just going to be here the whole time. We'll just keep playing. And That's playing annoying. Foxtel's starting to do that now. Is it? So you put on like one of the, like the Bathurst, say the Bathurst 12 hour. Yep. Bathurst 12 hour, the clues in the name, it goes for 12 hours. So it's a 14 to 16 hour broadcast because of all the other stuff that goes on. Yep. Three hours in. Are you still watching this? <laughs> Dude, get off! I was watching. <laughs> it's a twelve, of course. Three Not hours later, now. <laughs> three hours later, we noticed there's been an activity. You still watching? It's like seriously. <laughs> yeah, if it was a one-hour show and I'd sat, or a half-hour show, and I'd had five or six in a row, and I hadn't done anything, maybe then ask me. But when it's a twelve-hour broadcast, don't ask me every three hours if I'm still watching it. Read the room. <laughs> They need to have. They have sensors in it, so it can detect if you're still watching. They're going to do that on one of them, weren't they? Uh, I think some of them do on the. Um... There was one I remember. I think we did a news article on a couple of years ago where they were <clears> going to monitor how many people were in the room watching it because if it was more than like four or five people, they would say that you're broadcasting and yeah. showing it in a public location or some rubbish. They I'm... never came out, but no, I know there was a. Supposed to be a thing. I think it was Amazon was doing it. I, I can't remember. But they're supposed to be. You had a webcam and a microphone on on the microphone on the webcam on top of the TV yep. or the smart TV that had it built in, and it would work in conjunction with your air conditioner to determine the the room volume and stuff. And then every time the air conditioner would turn on, it would use the microphone in the camera to determine whether it needed to turn the sound up to compensate for the air conditioner turning on. Ah, that'd be good. <laughs> you need one of them in the car for the radio. I've got one in mine. You, when you're slowing down and it turns the volume down. Mine does it. Ah. Active volume control. It, it monitors the, the and especially with an electric, electric car, it's really noticeable. Phone could do that. Yeah. Android could just be listening through the microphone and then detect the level of noise in your car yeah no it does as, as i'm driving along and it does the same if i'm on a phone call and i go like on a rough bit of road or under a bridge or something where there's more noise it bumps up the phone call volume as well oh that's brilliant yeah it's great <laughs> that's actually <laughs> on I'm my jealous. phone that's actually on my phone that that the phone call part 
Uh. That's almost yummy. It does that by default. If the background noise increases, it increases the speaker volume to compensate. That's nice. Yeah. I'd probably have to get an app for that. <laughs> but the, the radio one's built into the head deck. I got, yeah, it just does the same thing. You have the music set to a certain volume, or if you, um, and you can balance your GPS versus the music and the phone versus the music. So if you don't yeah. want, like traditionally, if you're on the radio and the phone comes on, it shuts the radio off entirely. Yep. But you can tell it 10, 20, 30, 40%. It. leave it to that vo- certain volume yeah. with the GPS um, <clears throat> or it's got um, it actually detects it uses the GPS and it knows when I'm going through McDonald's drive through and stuff and it turns the volume down when I wind my window oh, so you can order. when I wind my window down it knows <laughs> I'm there and it turns the volume down so I can order and I haven't even got to turn the, turn the radio down dude this is like some <laughs> futuristic thing from Japan or something I know it's amazing it's some cheap Chinese head deck it's great <laughs> Um, I didn't know it did any of this and then I, it just started or if you're having a conversation with somebody else in the car yep. it'll it'll hear that you're trying to talk to somebody and it'll lower the volume of the, the radio oh man that's mad <laughs> yeah I didn't know it why did does any, not everything have this I didn't know it did any of that until one day I, I started doing it and I'm like this is on? the thing this is the thing right <laughs> with all these cars that they're having to cancel because there's no electronics hmm. why not just do better software for the cars that exist now and use that yeah. as a selling point. That's right, exactly. I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, I've got a $200 head deck or whatever it is, that the technology in that hasn't been around for five years already. Yep. It's not like you've got to put new new hardware with it. The hardware's fine. Yep. Just fix the software. Yeah. You know? It should all be standard on, on all the latest models. And Admittedly, this head deck's pretty punchy little unit. It's a 10-inch screen. It's an octa-core. Um, 1630 16 4 gig RAM 16 gig ROM 32 gig storage so it's a pretty potent little unit um, it's fast it's really fast yep. it's got dual um, GPS in it so that it can get a better location you put one sensor in each corner of the windscreen that gets a better right. better lock like it can lock down to like a foot right yeah like it's really accurate <laughs> That's why it knows when you're going through the drive through rather than just that Macca's because it can lock down so tight on the satellite. Yeah, I go into Macca's <laughs> and the map is going, yeah. turns around, and then a minute later it turns around this way. It's like, I'm not sure where you are. <laughs> you're not moving, so I can't calibrate myself. So yeah. I think you're over. Wait, maybe you're facing this way. I don't know. No, this thing's figured it out. It's, I don't know what it is. It's just some random cheap eBay. Actually, it wasn't even eBay. It was Amazon, I think. Just yep. some random cheap crappy i mean i got it because i had higher spec i needed a higher spec to do a couple of the um the mapping programs with the data logging for the refill station the recharge points and stuff so i wanted something that was relatively quick but that was anything i was looking for i wasn't looking for this other stuff that it has they just blew you away (laughs) yeah um, this is the best thing i've bought in the last five years yeah i didn't even mean to do it (laughs) so man Can we do some news then? Victoria is parted with $73 million of its $550 million connecting Victoria fund in order to see areas and state receive fibre to the premise connectivity. NBN said the money would be held in trust under the Victorian NBN State Program fund label with the first project to be 11 new business fibre zones that cover 10,000 businesses in Benalla, Colac, Cranbourne South, Dramana, 
Hamilton, Lara, Pakenham North, Pakenham South, Portland, Warrigal, and Montagui Inverloch. At the, with the addition of new zones, NBN says it has 295 zones that cover 860,000 businesses around the country. Victorian funds will also be used to flip users on the fibre to the node, fix wireless and satellite connectivity to full fibre lines. The company will part with money from its 300 million uh, regional co-investment fund and 50 million set aside for working with state and local governments on extending business fibre zones to help fund projects to be determined between NBN and Victoria. When we made a substantial commitment to network upgrades to where, towards the end of last year, we also announced that this would include significant funding to be made available for co-investment opportunities with state and territory governments and local councils, NBN CEO said. The Victorian government has been the first to seize this opportunity and the program we have announced today fits perfectly with Victorian government's overall 550 million Connecting Victoria program. Any one of them in huh. Brisbane, don't they? I was just looking. Those those fibre nodes you mentioned before sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. And I just went back and checked on one of my documents I had from an interviewer that never got released for various technical reasons. But they gave me a list of dark fibre that they were reissuing. So Aussie Broadband actually owns all those dark fibre nodes that you just mentioned. Oh, nice. And they're the ones that were actually rolling them out to activate them. nobody else will. Because nobody else will. <laughs> Now, we just got a, sent a new SIM card for our phone at work yep. using Optus Network now instead of Telstra, I believe they were using. Right. So, it looks like, by the sounds of things, they're doing deals with Optus. Um, yeah. So, that's interesting. Hopefully, you still get good coverage up there. I guess you're in sort of CBD areas. I haven't noticed any difference so far, but then again, um, they all share common towers here. There's no, nobody's got their own tower, so it should all be pretty similar. Um, But yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, most of those suburbs that you mentioned were part of the Aussie Broadband's dark fiber rollout. Yeah. So it's interesting. I lived in Pakenham. So I would have got it, but it's too late because I've already got it for the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, I just found that bizarre. It's sort of a big circle, a big circle loop back to a twelve-month-old interview that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had been able to release that for you guys. We just had way too many technical difficulties. It was a really good interview with uh, Aussie Broadband about that exact sort of thing, yeah. about mergers and things they're planning on doing. So. So that was pretty cool. But speaking of uh, rolling out internet, Starlink, um, or SpaceX, I guess SpaceX owns Starlink, um, they've currently sent out 100,000 Starlink terminals to customers while they're waiting for their licensing to be approved. (laughs) So they actually currently don't have a license to operate other than their beta trial. Um, They've got... Uh, currently 11 countries happening under testing Um, the trials have been so good like the speeds vary depending on your location from 50 meg to 150 meg latency varies depending on location from 20 to 40 milliseconds which is insane for satellite If if you've got any idea what any comprehension of of what that relates to in a satellite like that that's 
a, a fibre. It's usually know, 10 latency. times more than that. Oh, easy. It's, it's not unusual for satellite to have well over a second yep. lag. To have 20 to 40 milliseconds on a, on a, satellite, a satellite connection is just it's unheard of. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I know um, Striker signed up for that. I wonder if he's receiving his unit. I think he'd probably tell me when he would. Yeah, they, they've started sending them out. Unfortunately, he hasn't got a business to use it with since COVID shut down everything, so yeah, well, he's stuck at home now. So that. he's got to have this satellite link. Like, this will be great, <laughs> except for I've got internet in the house and I can't take this anywhere. Um. So, yeah, they, they've got... They're sending out... They're, they're basically waiting for the governments to give them approval because there's realistically no reason why they shouldn't given that they've already put up 1,800 satellites. Yeah. Um, they're pretty well guaranteed to get approval to send in net to their own satellites. Um, the company's confirmed a deal that would be valued at $3.2 billion. Uh, the combined company up to $483 million in cash, including $383 million of cash held in the trust of NextGen and a hundred million private investment public equity. Um, retain the Virgin Orbit name. Trade under the flicker symbol VORB. Oh. Um, that's part of the. They're going to co-host on the on that on that uh, SpaceX. But yeah, so they're like, okay, well, we've got all these units sitting there. We've got the satellites in the sky. I mean, I, we don't actually have the paperwork. But let's just send out all these units to the customers and just tell them they just can't use it yet. Yeah. Because <laughs> they won't. They'll listen to us and none of them will dare set their satellite up if we tell them not to. Uh, <laughs> also, it's a good idea to send them out now because with the COVID and stuff and things shut down, it might take ages for it to get to them anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to give them time to sort out teething problems and whatever anyway. Yeah. You know. Um, there has been reports of the odd LNB, which is the the transmitter and receiver device that goes under the satellite dish. There has been reports of the odd LNB that's turned up faulty um, directly from the manufacturer. So hopefully they'll get on top of that. But it's not a bad idea. If you, Even if you can't technically access a satellite, you'll be able to line your dish up, align it, get the correct signal strengths, get everything tested and see if it actually functions. Yeah. You would in theory be able to, you would in theory when you hooked up to it and logged into it, it would bring you to the login page of it to say, to log in so one would imagine if you can log in to that point then it's working yeah, yeah. so you know it's not a bad idea yeah it sounds great bringing internet to a lot of places that just can't get it that and also bring mobile internet um you know if you've got a, a business that's mobile or you've got you know you like camping and you like traditionally your only options being like a 4g dongle or whatever yeah um because whilst technically you could use a normal satellite internet, the whole process of setting up a satellite dish has been incredibly painful and beyond the scope of the average person to do. So this should solve that problem. Sweet. Because it auto aligns. You basically stick it in the general direction and it figures out where it's got a point. Nice. Starting in September, Microsoft will no longer support its native Android Office apps on Chromebooks. Instead, Microsoft will be advising those users to use its web-based office.com and outlook.com apps starting September 18. Microsoft will continue to offer native office apps for other Android platforms beyond this date. This is just a Chrome OS limitation being imposed by Microsoft 
as noted by Kevin Tofel on the aboutchromebooks.com website on August 25. To use the web-based apps, Chromebook users will either need to sign in with their personal Microsoft account or an account associated with Microsoft 365 or Office 365 subscription. He also noted that as reported by Windows United, some Chromebook users have been hearing about Microsoft's plan to move into web versions of its app dating back to June this year. Around August 13, Microsoft updated a support page on how to install and run Microsoft Office on a Chromebook to reflect the upcoming change. <clears throat> Said the page says the Android versions of Office, Outlook, OneNote, and OneDrive are not currently supported on a notebook. The newly updated page advises Chromebook users to go to office.com to access Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, and OneDrive. Before last week, the same support page advised Chromebook users to install the native Android versions of the Office apps from the Google Play Store. Microsoft's only public explanation for this change is the web versions of the app provide the most optimized experience for Chrome OS and Chromebook customers. I wonder if it's certainly another yet Chrome complete attempt by Microsoft. Well, given that last week they um, set Brave to be, not Brave, they set um, Edge. Edge to be their default browser in Windows 11. It'd make it hard to change too. It made it very hard to change to the point where most people give up, gave up. Uh, would this just not be a follow-on of that? Yeah. I mean, 95% of what you can do is available in the Android app. Yes, they're technically correct. There is a couple of things that it doesn't do, but that's not things that the average person is doing on a regular basis, and the odd time you do need to do it, you could log in to do it. Having said that, Chrome is still the default browser on a Chromebook. So I don't really... You're taking... pushing you to edge. No. All you're doing is moving them away from an Android app that works somewhat locally. Like, well, once you've got it loaded, it will work with an internet connection. The online one won't. If you lose your internet connection, you you lose your document. (laughs) We don't lose it, but it's not... not, uh, yeah, it saves auto saves anyway. Yeah, you might be able to get it back. But you can't you can't use the the apps. You know, like other than basic editing, you can't really do anything. Um, I don't know. I don't really see the point of it. But I guess they're drive. I mean, they're driving their regular Windows based customers to the online version too. Yeah. So maybe that is don't want. Maybe you need a subscription for the online one. Well, you're going to have to because they're, they're getting rid of, um, I think it's in Windows 11 onwards. There won't be a physical copy on the computer. No. So that's going to probably be why they want this. We don't want you using the local Android app. We want you to buy Office 365 and only use it online. Because, I mean, how slow is something like Publisher going to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, publisher on a PC is can be slow at times. How's that going to work on a on a web app? I don't know. They seem confident about it. Yeah, but I mean, they seem confident about you know not letting people data breach their servers either too. But that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I I don't know. Um, 
I suppose I, I, I do have a Chromebook. I could probably drag it out, dust it off, and sit. I, I wonder if it's because well, that doesn't make any sense. Because I wouldn't see, I wouldn't use Office Online if I couldn't use the Android app. I would just use LibreOffice or OpenOffice or something. Yeah. I wouldn't bother going online. And if I was going to go online, I'd use Google Docs. Use Google Docs, exactly, because I'm already logged into it. I might as well use it. Yeah. And let's face it, in reality, 95% of the stuff I do, I do in Google Docs anyway, even on a PC. Same. Um, I don't, this computer came with Office installed, but I can view documents with it, but every time I do, it pops up. Yeah. Type in your product code, cancel. You should buy this online, cancel. Make yeah. sure you cancel. Okay, now I can view it. I use... But, um, um, you want to edit this? Here, we just launched the website for you. I'm like, no. I have both OpenOffice and LibreOffice. Yep. Because they both do... There's actually... Uh, I didn't bother doing an article about it, but today they just re-updated that, a new LibreOffice with some more Office compatibility, but... I bounce between the two of them because there's some things that LibreOffice does better. There's some things that OpenOffice does better. Um, but I'll only do those if, like, for example, um, we use Zero at work for our accounting. And if I want to export one of the CSV databases out of that, I'll open that locally on OpenOffice or LibreOffice because even though technically it will it will work on Google Docs, being such a large document, it really gives the browser a hell of a hard time. Like browsers aren't designed; they're just not designed for that. Um, you try and load a twenty, thirty, forty meg CSV document into Google, you know, into um, uh, what do they call their Excel? Um, Google Sheets. Sheets. Yeah, you try and load a twenty or thirty meg document into Sheets, and it, it doesn't it really like itself. It. Yeah, it does do it, but it takes a long time to process it. So stuff like that, I'll do locally, um, or a lot of image editing, I'll do locally. But ninety nine percent of my normal everyday um, office stuff, I do online, yeah, on for free. So yeah. <laughs> I really don't understand. You really have to be stuck in the Microsoft. Garden but what? I mean, what, what is there on Microsoft that you wouldn't be able to do? I mean, I guess the exception to that would be an enterprise. Yep. Maybe. Where they had an enterprise subscription, but then you would, that would only be like Outlook really anyway. Yeah. I mean, you can use Thunderbird, but if you're using the Outlook and the Outlook calendar, okay, maybe that side of it. But I really can't un understand why there'd be anything else that you'd want to use and pay to use that when you can get free services that do a better job of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm, I don't know. Unless I'm missing something, let us know if you guys, if anyone out there uses the online three six five um, and thinks it's a good idea. Tell me why. Let, let me know seriously because I can't, I can't think of a reason you would want to do that. Mate, as I Unless said, it's some ISO requirement or something. Yeah, maybe. Or something they might call it that. Maybe. That's a, maybe. I it's mean, as, as I said, maybe for companies. But even then, I, I don't really... Most businesses these days, especially the way things are at the moment where you're working from home, 
they don't necessarily care how you do something as long as you get the right end result. So I don't even know if that would be a valid argument anymore. And here's the other thing. You can't lock down the computer to not run websites that easily. No. You know, you can install any software you want. Yeah. But to websites, you can go anywhere and you can run any program and do just about anything you want. Yeah. You have to keep blocking it. But yeah. with a computer, you can just say, install these six things and nothing else. No, that's right. And here's the other thing too. Like if you use OpenOffice or LibreOffice or Google Docs, especially Google Docs, you've got the same functionality on your phone as you do on the desktop. Yeah. So whether you're using a Chromebook, whether you're using your phone, whether you use your tablet, whether you use your smart TV, it doesn't matter. It does the same job on all of them. Someone's going to release a little <clears throat> program that's going to, when you go to install the Microsoft one that says no, it'll say, oh, this is a Samsung Galaxy S9. And it'll ID it to Microsoft like that. And they'll go, oh, sure, you can install it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Now they have hacks like, you know, you had that when you had a browser and your browser had to pretend to not be something else so that a website would work. Yeah, when you tried to run, you tried to run um, Foxtel and anything other than in the Explorer. Yeah. <laughs> I used to use Firefox because you could go into Firefox and set the parameters to tell that it was... It was in the Explorer. And that's still a thing to this day yeah, with Foxtel. <laughs> Foxtel <laughs> still only wants to use in the Explorer. Even Microsoft doesn't recommend or use Internet Explorer anymore. No, finally. <laughs> Although I was on the... Um, was it the MyGov site? I think I sent you a screenshot of it. I was on a government site like a month ago. And I said, we recommend... Oh, you remember, because I sent you the thing saying we recommend the use of Java 6 and <laughs> in the Explorer 7 or something. Remember, yeah. I, I sent you that screen, so I'm like, yeah. this is like... And it was the... I want to say it was the um, Australian Security... Australian ASIC. Securities or something. Yeah, it was. It was ASIC, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it might have been. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Get with the program, guys. <laughs> Uh, anyway so yeah so we'll see how that pans out for them I can't mm. see that they just want more subscription I think that's it yeah but yeah but for what and this is the thing I don't understand okay fine you want a subscription package that's alright but offer something that you can't get for free yeah <laughs> somewhere else <laughs> like subscriptions don't work if you're charging for a product that other people aren't charging for yeah Definitely. Unless it does something really amazing. I don't know. Find out, I suppose. But uh, continuing on the internet thing quickly. Um, studies have been done to find that Brazilians' connected population relies mostly on smartphones to access the internet as a PC. Uh, um, PC penetration remains, remains low within financially vulnerable citizens, and this study has found. 58% of Brazilians only access the web through their phones. Um, keeping it, this is 58% total population. So there's a good 30% or so in there that that's attributing to businesses using PCs. So what they're basically saying is there's about um, 15 to 20% of consumers that use PCs to access internet. Um 
the study considers Brazil's current base of 164 million internet users equivalent to 87% of the population above 10 years old. This includes 12 million users who do not have full internet access and only use mobile applications such as WhatsApp under zero rating offers whereby operators provide access to previously determined content and applications to the user without incurring an extra cost. Um, considering the country's socioeconomic class, which ranges from an elite and upper middle to the lower middle to working class and extremely poor and unemployed, so it's got the whole range in there. Uh, the study noted that Brazilians from classes C, D and E, which is yeah, working class and down, don't have PCs at home and generally only use smartphones. Um, also noted stark differences in PC ownership according to s the socioeconomic studies while computers were present in almost 100% of elite households PCs can be found in only 13% of homes with classes DNA studies also found that there's a, been a boost in activities such as internet based courses with the lower middle class population but class C Brazilians study online way less because they don't have the PCs to do so so there's um, whilst yeah, online studies picked up, but it's limited because so many people don't have computers. Um, and this article goes on to say that the reason so many people don't have computers is because the government in that charges, depending on what program you're using, charges you different rates to different programs to different things. Yeah. Sometimes they charge per minute, sometimes they charge per meg, sometimes they charge for the period of time you spend in that particular application. Um, which is why they use phone stuff a lot because the phone stuff tends to be a lot cheaper. Right. Um, but there's a really interesting, and I want to say it was Brazil, but I can't find the video. I was watching a video like a, a month ago. And it was really interesting. There's basically, <clears throat> there's a couple of kids. I say kids, they were only 16 or something when they started this. And they were sick of paying the government access. Well, at the time, all they are doing was online gaming. And they're sick of paying to have to pay the government to access the internet to pay their friend across the street. So they went down, they jumped on, um, went to the library and did, did all the research they could do. And they went to like their local recycling center and their local tip and they got all these computers and bits and pieces and routers and senders and like you name all this stuff they could get their hands on. And they started their own local mesh network with him okay. and his mate across the street so they could play online for free or play you know games together for free. And then one of the other friends down the road heard about it, then another mate heard about it, and before you know they had this giant mesh network taking up like most of CBD coverage of this mesh network just so they could play games. Right. And then they discovered that these people are willing to pay for it, so they started charging them you know, a dollar a month or something to access it. And then they realized if they charge these people like $2 a month, they could have internet access because they could hire um, like uh, bandwidth from the library or the university or something like that. They could actually get uh, available bandwidth. So then they started hiring this out as an internet service and started providing all those people who are part of the mesh network. And then if they got far enough away, another local library or a university or whoever it was would hire this other person some more bandwidth. So this bandwidth was now coming from two places and three places and four places and being distributed between these few hundred people and the mesh network was getting faster and faster and getting larger and larger because more people were finding out about it. 
and over a period of it was only like four years or something they've gone from having basically only having this crappy basically prepaid internet from the government to this internet that these guys set up in their basement that's now the largest internet provider in the country and the fastest (laughs) and the cheapest gee that's mad (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good. We story. should do that here. Yeah, well, it's it's doable. Um, all the technology is available, and all the technology is cheap. Yep. The hardest part about the whole procedure is getting the 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 data, the, the yep. access to the back end. The actual setting up of the mesh network and the that part of it actually isn't too bad. It's pretty well priced. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was a really interesting story, and I can't find it. Unfortunately, I tried to find it before the show so I could let you guys know where it is. But it, it, I'll try and find it by next week, and if I can, I'll remember to put the links in the show notes. But um, it's a really good story. It's really interesting to see how, yeah, how a little bit of ingenuity went such a long way, and they're, you know, they're now, and not only are they faster and cheaper than the government, they're more secure. They're not spying on their customers. <laughs> um. They actually recommend and offer VPNs and setups, and and they're starting to give away components. Like if you pay your ten dollars a month or whatever they want for their internet, they'll give you a router and they'll give you a netbook, and you're quite happy to use that for the length of time that you're paying for the internet. You know. Oh wow, it's mad. So yeah, no, it was, it's really cool. That'd never happen here because people would never do that. No. <laughs> but it's a really great idea. <clears throat> Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have had a tumultuous year so far. We saw Bitcoin soar to nearly $65,000 in mid-April and then lose more than 50% of its value three months later when it dipped below 30000 per coin. Unlike the previous bull runs, it wasn't just retail investors drumming up excitement. Financial institutions and businesses rose to the occasion as well. They look to invest in crypto or support the needs of their customers. PayPal is one example. The payment service now supports Bitcoin trading and lets users pay for goods via crypto. Yep. However, that process involves exchanging digital tokens for fiat and making an online payment with PayPal. They're not too distant future. Crypto enthusiasts might be able to spend digital coins directly inside online stores. After rumors said a few weeks ago that Amazon was interested in Bitcoin payments, another giant is eyeing Bitcoin payments, Walmart. A few weeks ago, an Amazon job listing paired with a report from an insider said that Amazon eyed Bitcoin payments. The giant e-commerce retailer's ultimate goal was to create its own digital token. Amazon was quick to deny it would accept Bitcoin payments. Most people might associate Bitcoin with payments, but the underlying blockchain technology can be used for other purposes. As Cointelegraph points out, Walmart's interest in blockchain tech isn't new. The company has filed patents for all sorts of blockchain-related ideas. This includes a US dollar-backed digital currency that was similar to Facebook's Libra. The retailer also looked at blockchain tech for supply management, supply chain management. It also filed blockchain patents for customer marketplaces and smart appliances technologies. On top of that, news broke out a few weeks ago that Walmart creates its own fintech venture called Hazel. Combined, all these developments suggest that Bitcoin payments might be on the Walmart's radar. This keeps getting more and more legitimate, doesn't it? It does. And I mean, as I was saying last couple of weeks, I've discovered more and more websites are accepting crypto and <clears throat> multiple different versions of crypto, not just Litecoin or Bitcoin. I just checked Oosh. too. Bitcoin's gone back up to 64. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 
yeah, they're accepting Doge, they're accepting Ethereum, they're accepting Engine, they're accepting lots of different coins now, um, which is cool because you know traditionally, and and they're correct in that article, you would have to go from Bitcoin to well, if you didn't have Bitcoin, you'd have to go from whatever currency you've got to Bitcoin because most of them would only accept Bitcoin lose some coins in the transaction process plus take time because you've got to wait for it to happen um, and then transfer that worst case scenario you can transfer Bitcoin straight into that account even then generally half the time that wouldn't happen anyway and you'd have to transfer it in, into an actual fee and then transfer the money across so it's traditionally been such a painful thing um, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be getting um, Straycoin uh, back on again and they can tell us about their new updated FPOS machine that they've got but it's supposed to streamline a lot of that procedure as well it effectively just takes the takes the coin at, at market value at the particular time locks that transaction for I think it's two days or something at that rate gives you time to transfer money back in and out and you can do a transaction like that and that works with um, you know Straycoin and, and Dogecoin and a few others as well um and at this point, I would say, not all, but most cryptocurrencies um, are a more legitimate currency than what we call our, you know, our backed currency, or because it's not, whether it's Australian or English or American or whatever. There's no gold. Um, the, yeah, there's no gold in the reserves. It's not a backed currency. It's only worth money because you think it's worth money. It's not actually worth anything. We just agree that it does. <clears throat> yeah. In reality, Bitcoin, if anything, is worth, well, crypto in general is worth more because there's a, there's a lot of energy and effort going to the production of that coin. Yeah. Physically. Like, where it's, you're physically costing somebody money by power or technology to make that coin, to make it happen. So it's actually cost a, a, a valid cost. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the long run there, but. It's good to see that more mainstream um, places are taking crypto. And as I said, like Newegg, which is a really well-known place, it's taking it. Yes. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of smaller places now. So we take it at work. So there's a, it's it's becoming almost to the point where it's becoming accepted. I actually found a... Um, I didn't even... wasn't even looking. I was looking for something completely unrelated today and found a hobby shop in town that takes crypto... Oh, nice. Yeah, so they got a similar post to you. Um, they do. Yeah, I think they got a similar setup to what we've got at work. So, well, I was I've um, just been talking to a guy who has started a new programming language system for old eight bit computers called Turbo Rascal Syntax Era, and um, I said, oh. How, how difficult would it be to port this so to work on the VZ200 computer? And he's like, let me have a look. Okay, that's what the specs are. That's how it works. Right. I've released a new version of Turbo Rascal Syntax Hero and it now supports VZ200. I was like, holy dooly, that's amazing. So I was talking to him all about it and I was getting really excited. So I might teach myself how to. It's uh, basically a mixture of C and Pascal. So if anyone's programmed in Pascal, a lot of people learned that at school and university and stuff, then uh, you can use Turbo Rascal to program games for Commodore 64, the Mega 65, Amstrad, Spectrum, BZ, 
there's like 20 computers or more that he's got already so far and because they're all based on similar things like z80 computers and 6502 computers it's quick to you can just put in some parameters and you could could have built a vz program without the full um, support official because it's just a z80 processor and you're just accessing memory location so i um i was getting really excited about this so i wanted to learn it and do some programming in it and i was like how can i give back to this so i went look all over their website and i found out they've got a donate bitcoin oh so he's got his wallet on there and i had um, generated 52 dollars in bitcoin from my hard uh, graphics cards mining I was just like, I'll extract that over to Coinbase and then send it over to him. And I was like, here's a donation <clears> for you because I really enjoy your software and you're so fast in supporting my computer platform. Yeah, I noticed um, a lot of Twitch streamers now too on the bottom of their Twitch, in their, on their pages, a lot of them have got crypto as well now. Yeah. So it is, it is becoming what, what would be considered as, even if it's not mainstream, it's becoming at least validated. Yeah. You know, it's like... You think of it like what um, a check was. When checks first come out, they were corporate use only and an individual had never seen a check. And then they sort of bought them out with bank checks and then you started getting paychecks and they started becoming quite a commonplace thing. I think it's the same with crypto. It's it's a niche market now, yes. Absolutely, it definitely is. But... They wait too long to get in. I, I don't think it's going to, you know... If you had to ask me a couple of years ago, I said it's probably 10 years away before it becomes mainstream. But with everybody being, with the world being as messed up as it is at the moment and so much people have got so much time on their hands, I think they've propelled that timeline and I really think it's only going to be a couple of years before it becomes mainstream now. Yeah. Um, so many more people are aware of it, so many more people are dealing with it that, yeah, it's really not going to be far away at all, I don't think. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's... My biggest concern is how the government's going to manage to screw it up. Yeah. Because, let's face it, they will. I think I was reading, <laughs> a, briefly saw a story today that the American government wants to make a law that Bitcoin become traceable. Because they say, oh... It's only being used for money laundering, so we've got to trace where it's come from, where it's going to, and we're going to mandate that into the Bitcoin protocol or something. I'm like, good luck with that. Yeah. Yes, America. We'll listen to you. Litigate and law all the things. Yep, that's it. If you don't understand it, pass the law. Don't educate yourself on it. Just pass the dumbass law. The rest of the world can just keep trading their crypto happily. Except Australia, because then once America does it, we have to do it too. So, you know, there's that. Didn't we come from England? How is it that everything we're doing is American? Because America, hell yeah. (laughs) That's not what they say on the show. Um, You guys, (laughs) So, yeah. But speaking of America, um, you know how they said to Huawei a couple of weeks ago, you know, you guys can't do anything for us. We don't want to know about you. Um, yep, go away. Don't, don't come back. Well, the other day they went, um, look, 
can we buy some chips off you guys? Um, we yeah, can't get them from anyone else, and you guys have got a heap laying around. So do you reckon you could just forget that thing we said a couple of weeks ago? Wait, we wait for this <laughs> moment. Yep. So they um, they're now they've added. Uh, initially, they had beef with them in 2019, and then a couple of months ago. They added some more restrictions to them. And now they're like, yeah, look, just forget all that. Can we get some 5G chips? Can we get some um, some automotive components? Um, can we get a few um, processors off you and a few other bits and pieces? Do you reckon that's something, something we could do? Um, they're not going to be announcing it anywhere <laughs> because they want the people to think they still hate the Chinese. <laughs> So they haven't said they haven't specifically said what they've got, but they've said that uh, it's cost them over seven hundred thousand motor vehicle sales and over two billion dollars in revenue so far. It's just like a Brexit. <laughs> An American we call it checks it. Yeah. China checks it. That's it. Um, it's all the stuff from China. Oh crap. That was a terrible idea. At least they can go back. Brexit is, they got no food on the shelves in some places in England now. You know, there's America, but that's because they're paying the farmers to not produce product. They're paying them more per for their property value if they don't farm it. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but on the same sort of token as uh, Xiaomi, because, you know, of course, they were told to go away and never come back as well. They have increased their revenue in Q2 2021 by 64%. They've achieved an 87 billion yuan revenue <laughs> after knocking Apple off the top of the ladder. Wow, it's mad. <laughs> so the two companies that the US has told to go jump <laughs> yeah. are doing better than any other company so far. Uh, it's so funny. Um, they're also saying that not only have they done the best first quarter, it looks like their six month is going to be the best they've ever done as well, and yep. approximately double what they took last year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just um, the company's IoT lost our products business chipped close to twenty one billion yuan, yuan following a thirty six percent increase. So it's not just their phone, it's like their IoT stuff. Um, I mean, they are spread over a lot of areas, admittedly, but they just recruited more than 5,000 engineers in this last quarter to try and keep up with demand. Holy. <laughs> um, the company's also announced acquisition of autonomous driving technology from Deep Motion for $77 million. It will perform part of Xiaomi's broader plans to... Play our ten billion dollars into this into start a new electric vehicle business. So I'm looking forward to that because that's just drive your Xiaomi car down the shops. <laughs> They've announced they'll invest ten billion dollars. Um, the investment would entail setting up a new wholly owned subsidiary that will receive the initial investment of ten billion. The remaining amount we spent over the next ten years. Xiaomi uh, founder CEO Li Yuan. Wow, I can say in somebody's name. Uh, so the company decided to make the foray into electric vehicles markets. Both smart electric vehicles is the next place to be. Um, it's also in alignment with our IO, IoT um, technologies. 
Um, so yeah, so that's going to be uh, on the same day as Xiaomi Ormo also, uh, best known for smartphones, also released its first foldable smartphone, the Mi Mix Fold. So there's that. Let's we'll get some it's reviews. It's a 8-inch uh, QHD flexible internal display, 6.5-inch... Wait. 8-inch uh, flexible internal display and a 6.5-inch external display. Right. Um, and it uh, debuts with the launch of their new Surge C1 processor, which has been developed for an image processing chip. Underwent two years of development, 140 million won in R&D investments. The chip will power two cameras, 108 megapixel main camera, and 13 megapixel ultra wide angle camera. The mixed fold has a Qualcomm Snapdragon triple eight processor, quad speaker setup, five amp hour battery, and 67 watt fast charge support. Um, plus, they also introduced their new logo that day, which is their Mi. The MI logo that you see floating around occasionally. So they had a big week announcing a whole heap of um, stuff. The new smartphone, Mi One, Mi Eleven Ultra, is their new flagship um, smartphone. Um, it has a triple camera setup, an AMOLED screen, eleven-inch display. Um, can be used as a selfie viewfinder, always on display or a notification window. That's on the back side of the phone. So, um, they're on the warpath. Yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye out for Xiaomi devices. Um, yeah, they're going, going off. They really are. They got, uh, oh, okay. I see. Yeah, they got, that's interesting setup. So, they got a, the 11-inch AMOLED display can be used as a selfie viewfinder, always on display or notification window. The AMOLED display supplements three cameras in the back, uh, uh, one and 1 inch 50-megapixel main sensor, 48-megapixel ultra-wide, and a 48-megapixel 5 by periscope telephoto lens. Um, it's got the 6.8-gig, 120-hertz, 1440 AMOLED display, Qualcomm Snapdragon 888, 12-gig of RAM, 256 gig of storage, 5 amp hour battery. So, yeah, who else gives you 12 gig of RAM? <laughs> like, come on. Not many. <laughs> I mean, even this one, which is a three-year-old phone now, this had 8 gig. Yep. You know, it's just nuts. Um, it doesn't support 5G, but it doesn't need to because it has dual SIM 4G, which is faster speeds anyway, if you... Wanted to run two sim. It supports dual sim simultaneously. Yep. So, which uh, I actually have our work phone, not this one now, but our work phone actually has dual sims yep. being used simultaneously, and that's a really interesting concept, I tell you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you literally have two phone, like everything in the phone's doubled up, so you get two phone menus, yep. two contacts, two calling things. Two SMSs. Um, I think they've been popular in China and Japan for a long time. They have, it's well, only just coming out here now. Well, Xiaomi's had all their phones are dual SIM because they've actually got triple slots in them. You can either run two micro SDs and one SIM card, 
or two SIM cards and one micro SD. Oh, all right. So you can change the configuration of what you're running. Um, a lot of them like this one because I record video on this. I've got two micro SDs in this and one SIM card. Yep. But in the work one, I've just got two SIMs, and um, it's the first time I've tried it. And I did a speed test on the download, and it was something stupid. It was yeah, two four G, two four Gs, but it was using the services simultaneously. Yeah. It was I don't know what it was seven hundred meg or something download. Really good. <laughs> It's been close to a year since Facebook first announced Project Aria, a research effort to test smart glasses with a small group of employees. The idea behind the project was to have employees use these devices in the wild and collect a bunch of data to help the company figure out what kind of sensors it needs to add to future devices. There have been many public updates on the project in recent months, aside from a redacted FCC filing for the Project Aria glasses earlier this year. Now we're getting a first look at how Project ARIA device actually works. Thanks to newly published regulatory documents that include the device user manual. Project ARIA's hardware is known as Gemini. The device is being called Gemini EVT with EVT standing for Engineering Value Test and being a common acronym in the hardware industry for small product test runs of a few dozen units. Meant to test both the design and functionality of a product before it's put into actual production. There's no visual AR component. The filing confirmed what Facebook executives have been telling us for some time. Project ARIA is about collecting data, not displaying it. In addition to camera sensors, the manual also mentions a proximity sensor in the inner temple. Gemini glasses are available with prescription lenses. If your glasses have prescription lenses, they're intended only for use by the prescribed use of the manual warns. The glasses are not intended for use so vision cannot be corrected with standard corrective lenses. There's a mobile companion app called REN that can be used to set up the device, connect it to a Wi-Fi network, check its battery status and upload collected sensor data. There's also mention of alerts through the mobile app, but it's unclear what these alerts might look like. The manual shows an iOS version of Ariane and there's no word on whether Facebook has been testing the glasses with an Android companion app as well. The glasses are equipped with four cameras capable of recording both photos and videos. Photos of the individual device components show that Facebook used the same camera sensors as those in that power the Oculus Quest 2. Videos are being recorded in VRS file format, which contains captures of all four camera streams simultaneously. The hardware interface is fairly pared down. There's a shutter button, a power button, and a mute switch, which toggles privacy mode on or off, according yeah. to the manual. It also has multiple LEDs to signal recording, both to the wearer as well as any bystanders. Gemini glasses are using a Qualcomm chipset. They run a customized version of Android that's being called Oculus OS. The USB charging cable, which attaches to the glasses via a magnetic port, is also being used for Android ADB functionality. Project Aria's Gemini glasses are clearly still an experimental device, not meant for consumer use. However, the existence of a privacy mode, a relatively simple UI, and the companion mobile app all things that might find their way into future consumer products, including the smart glasses that Facebook is building in partnership with Ray-Ban. Well, on that, um, Horizon Workrooms is a remote collaboration reimagined. Um, it's basically available for free on the Oculus Quest 2, which is uh, Facebook. Um 
it's Workroom is the flagship collaboration experience that lets people come together to work in the same virtual room regardless of physical distance. Uh, we're using Workroom as a collaboration here at, at Facebook already and we think it's one of the best ways to work if you can f- can't be physically together. So it's um, it's the metaverse that what we're talking about. It literally is. Um, you can be, you can be anywhere in the world, and you can have a meeting. But not only that, yeah, you've got your avatars, but more so than that, when you sit down in front of a computer, it brings up a virtual keyboard on your display, and it superimposes your fingers over the key, so you can actually type on the keyboard. Uh. <laughs> or if you need to draw, you can draw on the whiteboard and it'll draw what you're drawing. Yeah. So it's more than just a physical interaction. It has spatial audio, it's got hand tracking, it's got pass-through, so if you, you can literally bump into somebody else. Um, mixed reality desks, it's got keyboard capabilities. Um, you know, like, it, it's, if you've ever... What you'll listen to as a saying like the other day, if you ever listen to Snow Crash, this is literally uh, Snow Crash or, um, well, yeah, predominantly Snow Crash. This is literally what they're talking about in Snow Crash. This is this is the metaverse. This is the the world that functions when the world doesn't function. Yep. Um, we need some of that right now. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic. It. it it's um so ready player one probably takes it that little bit further in terms of interaction where um they think of it more of a practical like you know for playing sport or whatever you're actually out there running around and doing whatever but it, it's not necessarily designed for that per se it's still designed it probably doesn't like the idea of you walking around <laughs> so much as being uh i mean it will motion track to a point like if you're in a your room with your oculus and you've got your trackers up it'll your little space your little six by six space it'll it'll quite happily do that um but as much as i love this idea the fact that it's been developed by somebody like facebook or the fact they've got anything to do with it is what scares me yeah uh I have control everything. Yeah, especially if you've seen Snow Crash, because the concept of that is they learn how to inject code uh, from the real world. So somebody, for example, in the real world will shake your hand and hand your business card, and that injects into your metaverse world, and then creates a virus in your metaverse account but because you're so plugged into it both audibly and visually and you're 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 so at one with it that uh has a physical effect on you it physically gives you a virus Ah. in the real world so yeah um that's the scary part. But look, I think it's scary, like Sword Art Online, where they <coughs> went in, go into a virtual universe and then they found out if you take your headset off, you actually die in the real world. So, yeah, all these people had to stay locked in all the time. Yeah, it's, um, I think it definitely absolutely has its place, but I think it definitely absolutely requires some very, very strict, uh, 
testing parameters. <laughs> so don't get a virus. Yeah, but yeah, if you have, if you don't know talk about, get yourself use your free trial of Audible. Go to find somebody on YouTube who's giving away. Well, technically, Aussie tech heads do. Um, you can do audible.com slash ATH or TBT. But as far as I know, they're still active codes. I've never disabled them. You get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Um, and download, do yourself a favor and download Snow Crash and have a listen to that and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so. Sounds great. It does. As I said, the same with that headset you're talking about. It sounds fantastic. Right up to the point to you realize Facebook's involved with it. Yeah, collecting all the data around. <laughs> yeah, I, I can think of several other people I'd prefer to do it, but... <laughs> I guess if, you know, I guess if they're the ones with the money, they're the ones who are developing, aren't they? Yeah. You know, um, and I guess if they do all the hard work and all the footwork and make the system function, there's absolutely nothing to say that somebody else can't come along and do it better. Yeah. So. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, will or warlock at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com 24 7 playback of tech related shows. See you next time. Bye.